Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. everybody welcome in it is the tuesday edition of the drive another beautiful spring-like day temperature bumping 70 degrees today it feels great again enjoy it it's not gonna last but i mean that's the way it is here in winter time in east alabama hope everybody doing well as we get started with the tuesday drive bill dan and drew it's the uh, the the regular crew i think is what we used to call that here in the studio. Well, not going to last, meaning the... Meaning by Saturday, it's going to be pretty chilly. Okay, I was, I was wondering... And if by may... next week, it'll be raining a lot and getting a little cooler, it looked rain, like in the forecast. Rain, I can expect. I was wondering how right. much more cold weather we're going to uh, face over well, the next few weeks. I think you can count on it getting really cold again, even though in the immediate future, I didn't see it. I did look. I was on the phone talking with Tex a little while ago. Uh, and he's, you know, he's coming in for the opening... Um, for the opening weekend of baseball and so i took a look at the forecast for the end of next week and it looks like friday there's a chance of rain and a low of 36 and next saturday there's a high in the mid 50s and a chance of rain so it's like yeah that's usually the kind of weather we get uh so it's not terribly cold but uh this saturday it's going to be a little cooler um, not, there, not, there are lows in the 30s on yeah, lows, Sunday lows in the, and Monday. Yeah, lows in the 30s Alabama. and highs in the 50s. So it's going to be cool, but, I mean, that's not unexpected. We're I'm just, just talking, saying enjoy 70s we, because tomorrow it's going to be in the mid-70s. We were just talking a little bit of baseball right before the uh, the show started, and mm-hmm. uh, we are efforting a baseball guest. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can talk some Auburn baseball before the season gets started next Friday. Auburn softball starting this Friday. Uh, but then there is big basketball, a very important basketball game for Auburn tonight at Texas A&M. We'll get into that. We've got our regular Tuesday guests. Barrett Salee will be joining us at the bottom of this hour. Jake Crane at the bottom of next hour. And got a, got a special guest joining us uh, as, we, as we head toward, you know, spring baseball. Golf also, and and uh, got a, got a special guest who's come up with a really um, interesting idea. It's one of those ideas that I I told him this this is one of those ideas that people go hadn't somebody done that before? Those are usually the really good now ideas. Let, let's let's go full disclosure though. This is someone related to. You, oh, right? I know him. But yeah, it's, okay. it's it's it is he's he is my my wife's sister's okay. son. And, and that's not okay. to say there's anything untoward going no, on, but I do. No, want to, well, yeah, this is well, who, uh, we not, I, I don't just bring on anybody in the family just for for whatever, because anybody in the family hasn't just won the best new product at the PGA show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, this is an exciting invention. that, yeah. that a relative and he's of from, yours. Yeah. And he's, you know, they they live in South Alabama. Uh, live down in Fairhope, uh, and and yeah, Brian Heaton will be joining us a little after five o'clock to talk about his invention uh that that is already uh drawn interest when when you when you win best new product at the pga show uh he said uh now now uh, see can we say it relates to putting oh yeah I, actually yeah absolutely okay. it, it's it's called putt link 
And it is basically, it's a smart golf ball that tracks everything about your putting to try to improve your putting. But I mean, it, it, uh, it'll track air, uh, all the, the speed, the break, um, and, and much more on, on an app, on yeah, your phone or whatever. What I'm really, what I'm curious to talk to Brian about, I mean, among, among other things, you know, the, the sort of, the process that led to the invention. Oh, I think, that, it's, it's I gonna think that's really going to cool be a really interesting story. I'm curious, when you have an invention like this and it starts to get some acclaim, the temptation to sell outright to a large company that would, you know, for, for whatever sum of money, you know, would, would take it off your hands and, and continue the development internally sure. versus sure. licensing it or trying to go it yourself and and or soliciting investors or things like yeah, that. Yeah, well, he does. I believe, I believe he's internal. got three partners. Right. So this so, is so. Um, so I mean, it would be it would be a a company decision or whatever. I know there are whatever. some there are some enormous companies involved. In um. Golf yeah. Technology. Well. Well. He he just mentioned to me that while they were there uh, at the PGA show in Orlando, that Callaway and Titleist right. were very interested in putting their name on it. I've heard of and, them. And he said that. Uh, uh, he he just mentioned to me when I was uh, firming up the time that he was going to be on that, oh, yeah, over the weekend, uh, Golf Digest and Forbes had called. Sure. So, so, that's, that's so yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good start. So, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to talk to when did When did you think? We'll get him on around 5.05. Right, yeah, that'll, that'll be cool. So start, starting the second hour with uh, with, with somebody who's got uh, a cool sports invention. Yeah. And, and, well, and, the, be, and, the, uh, and, and, and the thing I think that a lot of people are going to like about it, I mean, uh, in, in addition to improving your putting, I mean, you can sort of turn it into a bit of a competition where you and others that have it can compete and see who, who is doing better uh, at at putting, yeah, it, it, it'll have if, standings and things like that. I so. wondered if it had some usage in like the gaming, you know, in in, in some, you know, it could be could be the technology uh, could be licensed. I, I wouldn't be surprised. For that he said, well. "Well, we'll get him to talk about this." But when he first did it, his first idea had the ball cheering and clapping when it when it fell oh. in the putt. So he's got things like that. They they decided right now, though. I mean, they're focusing on. The, the technical aspects and, and you know, uh, really doing things that, uh, I mean, can be fun, but, I mean, this to, to, to improve folks' putting. He's got, uh, I mentioned his son on the air last year when he shot a 70 in the first round of the Alabama High School Golf Tournament as a 13-year-old. So yeah, he's he's pretty good. I don't think we've given the numbers out yet, but let's, no, we haven't. Uh, we haven't done any that, of that. That's cool. You were, we're, yeah, it's we're just excited to talk to Brian. Just getting underway. Hour number one of the drive, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, and they they are also the sponsor of our hotline and the number that you can call to get through with your thoughts, questions, comments. 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840. The Drive Text Box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you anything that you have on your mind, sports-wise, here on this Tuesday. Um, but, but yes, we will we'll spend a good bit of time talking about Auburn, Texas A&M basketball, Auburn, um, Losing that first matchup by 16 in a game that, that's the game, if you recall, Auburn jumped out of that 10-2 lead. Buzz Williams calls time. And from that point on, uh, the, the Auburn offense was non-existent. And Texas A&M really sort of imposed their will on Auburn. Bruce, Bruce Pearl challenging his team. After that, they played much better against Georgia. 
I thought they competed much better against Tennessee than they than they did against Texas A and M at home. I regardless of what happens tonight, I could see myself backing A and M in a bracket. Right, like that's a team that has yeah. some weapons, experienced guards. Uh, Buzz Williams can give people problems in the postseason. He's he's got a, a plan that can uh, that can aggravate you know some diff- different kinds of teams. So that's uh, this is a dangerous Texas A and M team, and they they beat Auburn uh, somewhat convincingly, seventy nine to sixty three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that second half. I mean, there were there were long stretches where Auburn really struggled. So Auburn was down double digits. You know, for the entire second half. Exactly. I mean, never really made a run. They cut, they it, cut to, it to well. They, they cut it to enough? eight. Yeah. Okay. They cut it to eight one time with about three and a half minutes to go. But uh, I mean, Texas A&M answered every time. Auburn. Auburn only cut it under under double digits three times. They cut it to nine twice and eight once. And A&M immediately would respond and get it back up to thirteen or fourteen. Right. Jerry Palms got uh, Jerry Palms got Auburn as a nine. Right now, in his latest tournament, and he's got. Does he have A and M on the bubble? Was, I think Lenardi's got Auburn as an eight. Yeah, and A and M uh, as the first team out. Yeah, I think I think both of the. Uh, so so this is a a really important game for Texas A and M. We have Jer- Jerry Palm, who Jerry Palm has been very. I mean, not, nothing against Joe Lenardi. Uh, Jerry Palm from CBS has been very good of late as far as predicting how the bubble is going to go. And so I'm. Uh, yeah, it's as we'll see if Auburn plays their way into a more precarious situation over these next few games. But, no, it's an important stretch for a Texas A&M team that... Oh, it's a huge game for was, both teams. I mean, a- A&M especially because they were the first team out last year in a team mm-hmm. that a lot of people thought deserved to get in because of the way they'd picked up steam. Now they're playing very well they, in they, the They've started it a little earlier this year. Now they just need to continue the way they have been and the way they did last year down the stretch. Really, really important opportunity, yeah, for for the Texas A and M uh, uh, Aggies. Yeah, so uh, we'd love your thoughts on that. I think A and M about a three three and a half point favorite uh, when I when I looked earlier today. Yeah, that that sounds about right. I think um, I'm, I'm trying to find the the net rankings. I know A and M's at a conference strength of schedule is part of the reason why, despite. Uh, because A&M's win loss record uh, overall, oh, it was awful going into conference. Well, well, overall, they're sixteen and seven, and they're yeah. eight, eight and two uh, in the league. Yeah, so they were eight and five. Yeah. Is that right? And, and, uh, and, and that's pre, and that's pre conference, and that's with the strength of schedule in the two fifties. Yeah, so it's, it's well, they lost a couple of games yeah. that you like. Are you serious? You it's, know that an SEC team lost that. It's going to be a crowded bubble, especially if the preferential treatment is shown to major conference teams. You know, the the bubble is just full of. Major conference teams sort of hovering, you know, with with good records, but sort of, you know, sort of hovering in uh, in, in that in that territory. So, no, A and M's got work to do to feel really good about their uh, NCAA tournament position. If they get in, like I was saying earlier in the segment, if they get in, they strike me as a team that would be a dangerous, like A and M as a twelve seed, right? Like, I mean, I mean that, no. that just. You, you see, yeah, no kidding. You'd you definitely be going be. to twelve five there. Yeah, I mean, they they seem like the kind of team that could make noise, especially if they sneak into the tournament at the uh, at, at the bottom end of the bracket. Yeah, Auburn and Texas A and M six o'clock tip on on the Deuce on ESPN two. Also at six o'clock, uh, Ole Miss is at Georgia. 
Then a pair of games at 8 o'clock, the, uh, the, the marquee game there is the Arkansas-Kentucky matchup in Lexington. Um, and then the other game also at 8, that was on ESPN. And then the uh, second game on the SEC Network tonight, South Carolina at Missouri. So Jerry Palm has, the, I mean, he's got a lot of SEC teams on his, I mean, because he, he expands the bubble to include the 8-9 line. Basically, and he's got a lot of SEC teams that he would he would classify as bubble teams that could, with a bad week, play their way out or in to the NCAA tournament, including Auburn, uh, who he has as the at the at the top of his bubble. But he right. has Auburn classified as a bubble team. Here's some other ones. Oh yeah, Auburn loses tonight, and then I mean, I mean, you know, Auburn still got. Two games against Alabama. They've got at there. They go to Lexington. They've got Tennessee here. You know, if Auburn were to lose tonight and struggle, lose most of those other games, sure, it's it's not a sure thing that Auburn's in. And, what, and what's crazy there is, that, <coughs> I mean, you, you could be looking at, I mean, what two, three? I mean, Missouri's not in the bubble. I mean, Missouri has at least in Jerry Palm's mind, they they've played their way into more solid NCAA tournament position. But the other SEC teams that you could say that about. Bama and Tennessee, and that's it because he's got Arkansas right. as a bubble team. He's got Kentucky as a bubble team, despite seven and three win loss record in conference. He's got well, that's because of the 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 you yep. know the, the way the conference appears overall right now. That's right. Florida, Mississippi State, and Texas A and M are further down the list on his bubble. Do do all of those sound like NCAA tournament teams? To you, or do you think some of those teams? No, I don't think be, they all will be. Yeah, I mean, there there could be some missing out, which is, I mean, there's there's talent and things to like about, I mean, especially when you get further down, right? I, state less so. I don't I don't think Mississippi State's going to make the answer. No, I don't either. Now, Florida, I mean, Florida's, I mean, they're thirteen and ten. The the, the overall win loss record does not look good for Florida, but they have a winning record in conference right. play, and they have they're six and four, right? They have and they have the pieces that would make you think. <laughs> You know, maybe Florida if they can. Uh, Are they six and four, or seven and three. Are they six and four. I, they're six and four. Okay. Uh, the, the loss to Kentucky uh, dropped them to six and four. That's they've, right. They've That's still right. got. And they've got Alabama tonight. They've got uh, tomorrow Al- night. They've got Alabama tomorrow night. Other than that, I'd say mostly winnable games. Um, at Arkansas is going to be tough. Kentucky at home is going to be tough. Uh, but Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt twice, Ole Miss, Georgia. LSU, so I don't yeah, they, they they could win most, if not all, those yeah. games. F- Florida could Florida could finish the regular season with mm-hmm. some momentum and play their way back in, and that's a veteran team too, right? Oh yeah, you, you would think would be uh, would, would be able to overachieve if if they were to get into the NCAA tournament, but but no, it's uh it's interesting how aside from Tennessee and Alabama and maybe Missouri, really everyone else in the SEC is playing for their postseason lives over the next couple of weeks because a bad stretch could play you on the wrong side of the bubble going into the NCAA tournament. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. All right, uh, love to hear from you, your thoughts on anything in the world of sports, about what do you think about tonight's Auburn-Texas A&M game? How are you feeling about tonight's game? What needs to go right for Auburn? Uh, they just need to hit a couple of shots. I mean, I, I like the way they played defense the last couple of ball games. So, I mean, if they can, you know, keep keep one of the A&M guards from just going off, you know, for a ridiculous amount like they were able to do against Georgia the second time around and uh, able to do against Tennessee the other day, then they've got a chance if they can just hit a few shots. 
I think I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a, an interesting ball game. That yeah. Auburn's got a real shot of winning. There, there's a lot of responsibility on the on the guards defensively too. Right after the way yeah. and played oh, yeah. the first game, I mean, figuring out a way to, sure. to stay in front of them. Radford had thirty. Was it thirty or thirty one? Defending I mean, defending without fouling. Right. And we, we I remember after the first game. We had callers wondering why didn't they come? Why didn't the Auburn defense go help more and leave? You know their 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 man on the perimeter. A and M, we thought it was because A and M's a dangerous drive and kick team, and if you collapse on a guard once he gets by one guard, you're setting somebody up for an open three point shot. Auburn didn't want to do that. They you know help. They hoped that the the guards would be able to to contain more. I wonder if Auburn's made some adjustment there. Maybe they'll concede more open threes to stop A and M around the basket, or maybe it's just a matter of the guards needing to play uh, at, at at their absolute best uh, on on perimeter defense in order to slow A and M down. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Again, don't forget Barrett Salee will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. But until then, we'd love for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Uh, again, we'll be checking in with Barrett Salee here in a few minutes. What do we want to talk to Barrett about? A couple things going I on. I mean, obviously we'll get thoughts on Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a big game on Sunday. There's uh, uh, some, I mean, th- there are new coordinators in Alabama. The Barrett That is true. Oh, that's in, true. In the SEC. And, and yep. I mean, we've been talking with regards to Hugh Freeze. It's it's the renewed, talk about the the recruits that Auburn's been yeah, picking up here lately. The, the renewed excitement there within the uh, uh, within, and you know, I'd love to get Barrett's thoughts on the Florida situation <coughs> with uh, with with the quarterback uh, who backed Rashada. Out, yeah, with Rashada backing out of the commitment, and you know, some of the reporting regarding uh, the NIL group at Florida making a huge offer. Unbelievable! They were going to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. It was more than they projected to make, I think, entirely as, yeah. a, fun, as a fundraising group. Which I is, mean, he was going to start off at over $200,000 a month. Bill, I've never run a fundraising organization before, but my understanding is that you want to raise more money <coughs> than you uh, spend. Yeah, you you don't want to promise more money than you have any idea that you're going to be tape, that you're going to have to spend. We tape quite a few economics classes. You know, I, I, well, I, I can, you know... I can I can uh, relate to that from a long long time ago when I realized you know after when you first get a credit card it seems like just the greatest thing in the world until yeah. you have to pay it so uh, you know once once you realize that then it's like oh I need to make more than I spend yeah. eventually Th- that is am I am I being overly harsh in saying that situation has felt harsonesque. Except did they just think except, that? Well, well, no. With one, with one big difference, Billy Napier is all in on trying to acquire oh, yes. talent. Yes. Now it hasn't worked out. Yeah, His but but don't been. go out and promise something that you can't deliver. Which I mean, that and that is in one very, I think, a very important way. The the Brian Harson situation at Auburn and the Billy Napier situation in Florida have not been no the same. No, no, no. You're but, right. But the. The ways they have been similar. The results the, thus far. The, the results and the yep. way the fan base is thinking, yep. did we go get 
a guy whose group of five tactics aren't going to work at the SEC level or who's in over his head or who <coughs> fill in the blank because, yeah, Florida's got – I mean, it, it's, it's a mess, and I don't know – I don't know how much of it you can directly blame on Billy Napier because some of it sounds like it, it, ha- it has to do with fundraising organizations or NIL collectives or I'm not going to. I mean, I don't know. If, I forget the names of you know the Gator whatevers, but like the, uh, but yeah, it's it's bull Gators. I, I think yeah, is well, what they are. I'd love to. I'd love to talk to Barrett about what he knows and and sort of how it reflects on Billy Napier and whether or not Billy Napier is truly on the hot seat going into year two at Florida the way Brian Harson was going into year two as Auburn's head coach. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we will we'll do that. What's, hey. your, what's your sense on that as far as... I, I don't think it's Napier quite as hot. Year. I don't think it's quite as hot, but it's not comfortable. I can guarantee you that. It is not a comfortable situation for Billy Napier I also, I also right now with the Gator Nation. Is, is Scott Strickland... Is he, tied to, is he tied to Billy Napier? Is that a hire that has to work before Strickland is in trouble, or yeah, there'll there... be some complaints, but uh, he's been he's been successful. He has. I wonder if he that has. would be uh, the other sort of question about Billy Napier is, is whether or not it's a situation where there could be, uh, you know, if if the if the Billy Napier thing capsizes at Florida, uh, could it be more could it be more than just Billy Napier uh, under under pressure? down there. 334-321-1390. I I, I mentioned to you during the break, I was looking at a a story. I wanted to look at some highlights of Walker White. And so uh, when when I Googled, I saw a few stories. And I saw a couple of them coming from the state of Arkansas. And I wanted to read those just to get their their feelings. And, And they're sort of, as you would expect, not very happy that the top prospect in the state of Arkansas is leaving the state for another SEC school. Um, I had not realized how deep the Razorback ties are with the White family. According to a story that I saw on uh, it's bestofarkansasports.com is what it's called. It's an Arkansas recruiting site. Um, it says that it points out that both of his older brothers – our former Razorbacks, one football, one baseball. His great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his uncle all played football at Arkansas, and his father was a golfer at Arkansas. That is deep, deep ties. And they're like, can Dan Enos and Arkansas try to flip him? They said it doesn't look promising because of how strongly he, you know, he's committed, and they they feel what like that's they just they just blame Arkansas for dropping the ball. So, you know, so obviously there with Walker White. We had a we had a text message about this yesterday, and I don't know how much of it we talked about on the air as far as the role religion played, in and, and how much of that. I, I don't think it was a been, small factor. Yeah, how, how much of that's been publicly reported? How much of that? They, well, they, if they, if you watch. Uh, you know, I, I watched his um, his press conference, and no, it's quite obvious. I mean, he does go to Little Rock Christian Academy, but I mean, he uh, he he thanked you know he, he thanked his, in addition to his coaches, his his ministers, and uh, you know his Lord and Savior. I mean, he spent a lot of time talking about that. So I do not think that it was a small. Um, part of his decision at all i think it i think it's very important to him and, and it's may, maybe a testament to how important that was that he he decided not to go to a school where he had such strong family ties in arkansas right instead he chose 
uh, to, uh, to 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 follow you. Yeah, his Auburn. top three were were Auburn, Arkansas. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Auburn, Baylor, and Clemson because it was ABC were the top three schools. So uh, so yeah. Now the other the other thing that this article did which point also, out, which would also lend to somebody who is uh, strongly of faith because. You have two coaches and Hugh Freeze and Dabo Swinney that have not been shy about no their question. religious beliefs. And Baylor is a, I mean, a, a, I mean the yeah, Baylor is a very prominent religious yes. university. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, one other thing that I mentioned to you, and I said that some Auburn people will go, might roll their roll their eyes when uh, the article points out that um, Walker White is the fifth highest rated quarterback to come out of the state of Arkansas. This century, since since 2000, number one was Mitch Mustaine, who of course did sign with uh, with Arkansas. Gus, you know, Gus Malzahn uh, brought him with him there from uh, Shiloh to uh, from Springdale, that is to uh, to Arkansas. From Shiloh, the number two quarterback as far as rankings coming out of high school since 2000, Kyle Frazier, who signed with Auburn. Number three was Tyler Wilson, who went to Arkansas. Number four. Cody Burns, and then one spot behind him is Walker White. So it's interesting that of the top five quarterbacks out of the state of Arkansas, you know, since 2000, three have signed with Auburn. Yeah, and a mixed bag as far as how their college careers oh, oh yes. have, uh, have have worked out. But uh, Walker uh, Walker has a chance to uh, to make his impact. And in, uh, in, in just uh, what he's going to be on campus in a year and yep. battling to be uh, on the field shortly thereafter. All right, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Our weekly visit with Barrett Sully coming up. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Some more yardage on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan drew at the controls. A nice looking Tuesday afternoon. You you feel like spring. Uh, it's just going to be a tease though. But uh, but enjoy it while you can. Uh, right now it's time for us to get to our regular Tuesday afternoon guest here in this uh, time slot. And that of course Barrett Sully from uh, CBSSports.com and SiriusXM. Barrett, how you doing today, man? I'm great. How are y'all? Doing fine, man. I love this weather. It gets me thinking, you know, baseball's about here. Spring is about here. And then, uh, then, then of course, it's going to turn cold and, and everything. But, but no, I, I love it. It's a fun time. There's so much going on right now. You know, we're, we're, uh, uh, getting, we're getting ready for spring football practice. We've got basketball heading down the stretch here. It's coming into the second half of conference season. Super Bowl, of course, coming up Sunday. Uh, baseball's not far around the corner. It's a great time of year. 
is no doubt. It is. I, I hope everybody has recovered there from that horrible call in the Tennessee basketball game. That was that was atrocious. Non call. Yeah. Oh my God. That 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 made Bryce Brown's call in the uh, Final Four uh, look like assault. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, you hate to just linger on something like that because they're, they, you know, Auburn had, had opportunities. So they they couldn't hit a shot, and there are no guarantees that that Wendell Green would have hit all three free throws. But yeah, it's it's a shame you don't at least get a chance. Yeah, there, that it was bad. It was really bad. But uh, they got a chance to to get back, get right against Texas A and M today, and Texas A and M team that's pretty darn hot. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what adjustments Auburn has made uh, from the uh, from the first meeting between these two, or if it's a situation where Buzz Williams teams just tend to match up really well with what Bruce Pearl tries they, they to do. They seem to because they're you know it's not, it's not as though it's not as though the most recent game was was something of an anomaly. So yeah, look looking forward to seeing what what that looks like tonight. A couple interesting things going on in the world of football, uh, Barrett. We'll talk about the big game on Sunday a little bit uh, later on. We were talking about. Situation at Florida and the, uh, the the decommitment of of Jaden Rashada and the uh, you know sort of the the heat that Billy Napier finds himself under, which which seems a little bit uncommon for a guy going into year two, unless you closely observed uh, Brian Harson <laughs> at, at Auburn, who also you know was under uh, quite a bit of heat going into year two. What's your read on sort of where Billy Napier sits? And well, I guess let's start with Rashada. Like what what. You know what? What's publicly known about uh, his, his decommitment and how much of it had to do with an NIL group promising uh, more more money than they could uh, than they could fundraise? Well, yeah, I mean that seems like exactly what happened is that the, the Gator Collective just didn't have the money, didn't have the the uh, funds and the resources, which I mean honestly is not terribly surprising. Um, while Florida had gotten, I wouldn't say ahead of the game, but it, it got. Um, it got its collective program going relatively early. Um, it didn't have the capital, doesn't have the capital to operate in the same way that a lot of others do. Um, and that was kind of widely known. But, you know, I think for, for Rashada, like, good for him. Go get your money. Um, you know, it's a golden age for college athletes. Uh, these these things will correct. The market will correct itself when these collectives don't get the return on investment that they expect. So go get it. Go do it. Um, you know, I think for him – Maybe um, he's being drugged in a couple different directions, being pulled and tugged in a couple different directions, which is unfortunate. But uh, I think that the story that came out in The Athletic uh, is a little deceiving, uh, or at the very, uh, maybe just, uh, I wouldn't say misguided, because I think the contract that was in the, that story is, is right, the $12.85 million or whatever it is, that's like the max he could possibly get. But at the same time, you know, the things that were, were being asked of him, at least in that story, were, were the bare minimum. So I think there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But for me, you know, if I'm Rashada, go get it. Go do your thing. That's totally fine with me. Um, you know, if it means you transfer after one year, <laughs> then it is what it is. That's just the new age we live in. Yeah, find the uh, collective that has enough money for you for at least the next year. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I was really interested in, in just looking at some of the things. I mean, they couldn't say that he performed for the University of Florida, just reside in Gainesville and, uh, and, and take home a couple of hundred grand a month. So, I mean, um, yeah, that's, 
that would have been simple enough. But but yeah, you, you talked about the the market correcting, and that's one of the things we've talked about as well. I mean, there's there's no way that some of the numbers that are are being tossed out there, and I'm not sure if they're really being offered or they're just out there for people to to hear and go wow at uh, ooh and ah at, uh, aren't sustainable. For no. extended periods of time. So, sort of my my next question there, Barrett, would be Billy Napier. D- d- do you think he's under unique pressure to perform in year two? And could you see Florida? Uh, could you see Florida, re- you know, reacting poorly to a losing streak uh, during Billy Napier's second year and going out and making a change? Yeah, it could definitely um, it could definitely be a problem. I think there would have to be uh, problems maybe outside of the football realm. Um, that that could cause him to get fired, uh, but you know those could be in the works. I mean, look, their collective and the issues with it, you know, are public knowledge, and we have not seen really what the NCAA will do to a program that is using uh, NIL as, as a recruiting inducement. Which I mean, all of them are, but Florida clearly is, or at least trying to. So I think that aspect of it could come into play. Um, but he's going to be—he's going to be blamed for the the lack of recruiting. Um, you know, even though the collective not being able to to pull things together isn't necessarily his fault. So uh, he's going to—he's going to be blamed if they don't have a quarterback either. I mean, they, and that—and that reminds well, me—that yeah. reminds me a little bit of Brian Harson in, in his second year. Are you, Dan, are you trying to say Graham Mertz is not the savior? <laughs> I mean, I, I want. I want. Look, maybe it'll work out. But I mean, I. I mean, I. People thought. People thought Zach Calzada was coming to the rescue for Brian Arson. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look. I think it's it's almost going to be a test case with Billy Napier, right? If 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 he struggles in in 2023, how 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 do you go about that? How do you approach that if you're an administration, and how do you approach that if you're a collective and if you're a coach, like? Do you start playing, paying, playing players who have been paid a lot to appease the collective in order to fix things for the next year? I don't know. You, you better know, win when you're doing that, thing. or it doesn't matter yeah, if the yeah. collective's collective, it, the fan base isn't going to be happy if they don't win. Yeah, and I think unfortunately for not, you know, I, I think it's going to be for every team and every coach. The the, the 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 what the product that you produce or don't produce that causes consternation. It's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna vary. It's it's not gonna be wins and losses. It's gonna be a bunch of different things, which is it's just weird. It's just kind of hard to to get my to wrap to wrap your arms around what this day and age of college football what a disappointment a disappointment is because it's gonna be extremely different for a lot of different people. Oh yeah, for some people it's going to be very personal because their guy that they've sunk a lot yeah. of money into isn't isn't either producing or isn't getting a chance to play. So uh, yeah. Barrett is is there any way around this not eventually becoming the players being employees? I mean, I just don't see how it can eventually not end up that way. Yeah, I tend to think that's going to be the way it ends up. Uh, I think though they're going to be employees of the collectives. They can't be employees of the school because then they can be fired. Um, and if you're an employee of a collective, I mean, I don't really know how those rules would work, but I would imagine it's not going to be very cut and dry, which is kind of the way college athletics are these days. Nothing is cut and dry. So, yeah, I mean, I think being an employee is sort of where this is going, but the definition of how that, what an employee 
college football in particular is still sort of up in the air. There, so, there are uh, there are a bunch of there are a bunch of hoops that folks would have to jump through in any sort of solution that involves you know the word employment. I always thought that making student athletes employees of the conference and paying them through the media deals, you know, paying them a a you know a, an agreed upon percentage of the media rights deal would be sort of a workaround. I, I guess that would open a whole, whole bunch of worms as well. But even that way, in making them employees of the conference, you could you could ban outside uh, outside endorsements, and that way you yeah. take sort of inducement off the table. Now, you could maybe have uh, an uneven playing field because the SEC media rights deal is a lot larger. Yeah, you'd almost have to do Sunbelt. it by the Power Five or something like that. Right, but but or or... Tell every conference they're on their own. Get your best. Get the best media deal you can, and and pay. And we're going to have the best players yeah. because we got the best deal. That's Ex- right. Exactly. <laughs> um, or or maybe that way. But but I always thought that was maybe a workaround that doesn't involve making them being athletes. university employees Dir- directly university employees, but also doesn't cut yeah. off cut off too much uh, of the revenue stream. Yeah, I mean, I think there that would be certainly one way uh, to, to orchestrate it. I, I would I would love to see how. Uh, how other conferences would fare and what their reaction would be. I mean, I think you would have uh, massive realignment just for quantity because there is no quality, which is, I mean, another aspect of how just beautifully dysfunctional college athletics are. So um, that I, I would love to see how that works, but I, I, I think there's, you know, the haves and the have-nots are, are going to be, you know, going to have a huge disparity that's, case now and it's going to be the case moving forward there's no doubt hey but i, th- I think you'd you'd see the majority of coaches would be uh would, would be thrilled if there was something along the lines of a pay scale oh for sure for sure 100 percent. barrett speaking of college football alabama finally has its coordinators and uh they, they weren't the first two names that were mentioned by by any means your thoughts on uh, the additions of Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. They went off the menu, right, compared to what a lot of people thought they were going to order. Uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, they're fine. It's Alabama. Like, they're fine. And I think, you know, the idea that they were going to go out and, and get a superstar coach, that's just not going to happen in this day and age. First of all, there's not going to be a lot of coaches available because they don't want a coach in college football anymore. And then on top of that, you know, he needed to tweak something. You know, Tommy Reese runs the football. Bill O'Brien did not. Um, despite the fact that Alabama was very successful in yards per attempt last year. Uh, he also stretches the field uh, in the passing game. Uh, Drew Pine had a better completion percentage in passes of, 20, of 15 or more air yards than Bryce Young. So uh, they'll be fine. And then Kevin Steele, and I know he's a dirty word in Auburn, and he should be, but he's worked with Nick two other times. He's seen that defense evolve. I think he'll be fine. Uh, Barrett, what can you tell folks, maybe you didn't watch a lot of Notre Dame football last year, about Tommy Reese and the identity of an offense where he's the coordinator? A lot of tight ends, a lot of two-back sets. Um, very pro style, very smash-mouth, but creative with how he does it with a lot of motions and eye candy and stuff like that. Uh, so I think for Alabama, that's kind of where they were in their sweet spot. I think they got a little too, too pass-happy. Um, and, you know, that's I get it. You know, this is a new age. You kind of want to put a lot on your quarterback, especially a guy like Bryce Young, but you got to let the other guys cook too. So I think you'll see more tight ends. You'll see more, um, you know, just uh, you'll see a, a bunch of different power sets. So it's, it's kind of, he's kind of what Alabama needs, to be honest. 
Well, I think Nick. I think Nick Saban has looked at that. What Kirby's doing over there at Georgia, and it's like, uh, yeah, you want you want that uh, uh, execution from the quarterback, but you don't have to rely on him to be throwing the ball for 400 yards every game. Georgia has just lined up and 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 you know made people. Um, you know, take it. I mean, they, they, they lined up and just overpower them. And that's what Alabama did, uh, in, in its, per, probably its, its best years, um, when they were just, they were just dominant at the line of scrimmage and you couldn't stop them running the ball. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, and they, they've done that in a variety of different ways. I mean, they've gone old school with Ingram and Lacey and Richardson and those guys, but they've evolved with college football and, you know, had, you know, some success, some success outside of the Derrick Henry year because he's just a freak. I mean, obviously, they had success with him, but, you know, even beyond that, with, you know, in 16, 17, 18, they were still running the ball, you know, aggressively. Um, so, yeah, Nick needs to get back to that. He understands that. And, and I think, you know, with Tommy Reese, still, he, he made a good choice. Hey, Barrett, speaking of uh, Georgia and uh, the, the and coordinators, uh, is Todd Munkin uh, going to bail for the NFL? I know he's been linked uh, to a couple of different NFL franchises looking for offensive coordinators, and I can understand uh, why teams would be impressed uh, with his work of late. What, what's your uh, what, what's your read on that situation? I think he's you know he's interested. There's no doubt that I mean there's no reason not to take those interviews if, if you're if you're being desired by the NFL, especially a team like the Bucks, which he's coached before. Um, then then why not? I think for him. You know, you kind of have the luxury of going about it in a responsible way, right? Because you know Georgia's going to be there. You're not going to get fired by Georgia. And you want to hear what's out there. And, um, you know, so go take those those job, or interviews. See what those organizations have in terms of a vision. Uh, I think for those two organizations, the Ravens and the Bucks specifically, which is where he's interviewed, they don't have quarterbacks. So, you know, Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady are gone. So, what can you realistically do? So um, he knows George is there. He's not going to get fired. You might as well listen. I mean, look, if if uh, if, if another outlet's going to interview me and that outlet can pay twice my salary, of course I'm going to go listen. Talking with Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM. And, uh, and Barrett, we'd, we'd love to talk to you about more, but I think we're just about out of time. Yeah, so, quickly, who's, who's going to win Sunday? What, what do you got? Never bet against Pat Mahomes. I love Jalen. Yeah, I agree He's there. A good dude, never bet against Pat Mahomes. Yeah, we said after the AFC Championship game, you got the feeling that wasn't the last Joe Burrow versus Pat Mahomes playoff game that we're going to get. You know, in, in in the careers of those two quarterbacks, and when it's not those two against each other, I just find myself taking uh, one of those two quarterbacks in a big game, either Burrow or Mahomes. And yeah, nothing against Jalen Hurts. It's been an incredible season, and it'd be cool to see him cap it off uh, with, with the Super Bowl because he's not somebody that a couple of years ago people viewed as a future Super Bowl-winning quarterback necessarily. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you. It's just tough to go against the Chiefs when they, when they got Mahomes playing quarterback. Great stuff as always, Barrett. Really appreciate it. Uh, let everybody know uh, what what have you got coming up and uh, how can the, how they can uh, uh, catch up with it all. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of college centric Super Bowl stuff. Uh, had the uh, bicologist today. Uh, Auburn's up there with three players, maybe four, depending on what the Eagles decide to do uh, at punter. And then uh, we've got some uh, Super Bowl by recruits coming up uh, as well. And then uh, we're going to be popping in, giving some more college flavor on HQ. Uh, while uh, the HQ boys are down there 
on site that uh, I guess not radio row. I guess it's TV row for us. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be doing all that. Sounds great, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, have, have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, y'all. See you. Uh, Barrett Salee joining us as he does Tuesdays. And uh, we appreciate him spending some time with us. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final minute or two of hour number one here on the Tuesday Drive. And our thanks to Barrett Salee for joining us. Jake Crane will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, early on next hour, we'll, we'll talk about how you could improve, perhaps improve your your putting. Um, but uh, we're, we're short on time here in hour number one. We rarely well, talk to inventors on the show. So I'm excited I, I, about I, I'm very intrigued out, by that. Yeah, well, it's, it's something it's something younger son has always said. You know, that's that's all he needs to do is come up with that idea that, that other people go, oh, hadn't somebody done that before? Right. No, so it's, it's like, um, I don't know, you, you think about the old... The older, I don't know, I'm going to get on like old time late night talk show. You know, like uh-huh. Tom Snyder used to talk to oh, yeah. inventors, right? Or yeah. even, even yeah. Carson. While, he's, like that, that, while the cigarette's burning in the yeah, ashtray right there this is, this on, is, on that's, camera. That's I used gonna, to love that. We're going to talk to an inventor Tomorrow. early in the next segment. And then we're also going to talk with... Uh, uh, we're going to talk with Jake Crane a little bit later on about everything going on in the world of sports. Yeah, hopefully you got a chance to hear Barrett. If you didn't, check out the podcast. Even if you did, I mean, uh, we encourage you to check out the podcast. That's right. However you listen to podcasts, go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to RadioAlabama.net or ESPNAU.com and, and find the podcast center. You can listen to episodes of the show that way. It's all presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. All right, again, uh, about done with our number one here on the um, Tuesday edition of The Drive. Stick with us. We're right back after our top of the hour break. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. LeBron James' pursuit of NBA history continues tonight when he and the Lakers take on the Thunder. James is 36 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring record. Lakers point guard Dennis Schroeder told ESPN Radio, it's been a privilege to watch this chase up close. It's history, you know, uh, to be a part of it. Um, I'm very honored and uh, very proud that I'm here. Uh, He's an incredible person, um, incredible individual um, who works hard, you know, and... um, 
I mean, embraces every moment. So to be with him here every step of the way um, is great. LA point guard Dennis Schroeder. You can hear more tonight on LeBron and the Lakers Thunder matchup on the NBA on ESPN Radio at 9.30 Eastern. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Nets and Kevin Durant are having ongoing conversations about the direction of the franchise in the aftermath of the Kyrie Irving trade. So far, the Nets have informed inquiring teams they're not planning on trading Durant before Thursday's deadline. NFL, the 49ers hiring former Panthers interim coach Steve Wilkes as their new defensive coordinator reports ESPN's Adam Schefter. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay and benefits and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Hope everybody doing well. Another nice looking day here on this uh, Tuesday and a lot going on. Uh, Auburn, Texas A&M basketball coming up tonight out in College Station. That is a six o'clock tip and a, a big, big ball game for both teams. We'll talk more about that. Uh, we've got uh, a, 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 our regular visit with Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour, uh, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk some football and basketball with Jake as the uh, the SEC now into the second half of the schedule. I uh, want to let you know and remind you that hour number two of the uh, of the drive is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika. On the web at orthoclinic.com. And we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. And uh, that number is 334-321-1390. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840 on the drive text box. Presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And they also sponsor the podcast, which you can find however you listen to podcasts. Just go to ESPNAU.com or RadioAlabama.net or just use your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. Yeah, and hour number one, Barrett Salee of CBS Sports uh, joining us. Uh, and and uh, so, so that will be on the podcast in just a little while. So, uh, and who are we? Who are we about to talk to? I know we're going to try to reach out to him, but, but set, set up this, uh, the, the, the inventor that we'll have. Well, he's an engineer. Uh, he's an engineer down in, in South Alabama at Fairhope. Brian Heaton is uh, is his name, and he has come up with a chip that he puts in golf balls, and he, they won the best new product at the PGA Show in Orlando. So yeah, we'll we'll welcome in Brian Heaton from down in Fairhope joining us. I did mention Brian a little earlier. But uh, yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of it in since uh, 
since your your mom and my wife are sisters. So uh, so so Brian, welcome into the drive and uh, and congratulations on uh, on winning best new product at the PGA show. That is a that's a pretty big deal. Well, thank you, Bill. I really appreciate the chance to talk about it, and uh, we are definitely proud of that award. Um, yeah, I mean, we started the company uh, in Fairhope, like you said, about four years ago. Um, but I graduated from Auburn uh, with an engineering degree many years ago, and, and we're often in Auburn for uh, tournaments uh, for my son. No, not that not that many years ago, Brian. It's it's. Uh, I know I know it may seem like it, but uh, but no, I, I I think folks would really be interested in how this all came about. I mean, the where where the idea uh, sort of formulated. Yeah, yeah. So an interesting story. I mean, uh, as I said, my son plays a lot of tournament golf, and and he's uh, fifteen now. But uh, back when he was about ten years old, he just would not practice putting. And, you know, that's some, that's a part of the game that you have to be good at. Uh, and then no one really wants to practice it. It's, it's a little bit boring. Uh, so, so the first iteration of the product was a golf ball that would, uh, if, if he made a putt, it would, it would cheer for him. And, uh, he, he got a thrill out of that and that was exciting. And so he would keep putting to try to, you know, hear the cheer come out of the, the phone app. And, uh, you know, that, that led to, um, more an advanced uh, product, uh, that, uh, you know where we are today, where it's, it's keeping all kind of statistics uh, for for your putting. Now, uh, well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about what it actually. Yeah, what statistics it does keep, and 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 uh, you know how folks get that, and then how interactive it can be. You can sort of build a community. Yeah, that's what we're excited about is to um, not just uh, help yourself, you know, get better at putting, but uh, link with other players and and make practice uh, competitive feel and, and have that pressure as you practice um so i mean you know putting is very important like just take it for example this past weekend at the Pebble beach program i mean justin rose won it but the second place guy brendan todd uh he ranks 203rd in driving distance so he's not a long hitter by any means but why did he get second place he's number one in strokes game putting and he's been that way as he's at the top of that that list for a while so um you know we just know putting is so important but these guys on tour, they have these statistics that they, they know they know their make percentages. They know how good they are from certain ranges and, and what they need to work on. But just regular golfers don't have any clue, um, you know, how good they are at putting and what they need to work on. So our our concept and our product um, lets you connect this ball, which is a normal-sized golf ball, but it has a, a computer chip inside of it. It connects to your phone. And, and you just start putting. And we have drills in the app and, and various things, but you just start putting and it collects, you know, this, the exact distance the ball goes. It knows if the ball, if the putt was made. It knows how, uh, how fast the putt rolled into the cup. Um, so there's a lot of things that it just sits there and collects for you. And, and later on, we can go back and, and look at your statistics, compare <clears throat> how you were uh, that day versus last week, last month. And how you stack up against um, other players uh, uh, that are similar abilities, or, or even the pros. Brian, this is uh, this is Dan. I'm I'm intrigued by the uh, the invention, and it, you know, like we were saying in the in the previous segment, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know it's, it's tough to believe that 
that, that there hadn't been more of a market for for that technology, especially with with the uh, you know with the, with the rise in popularity uh, in golf and, and things like that. But but like you said, you know maybe maybe putting's not as exciting as as driving. It's like so free throw practice. Yeah, or it's something, it's something you know. that maybe no. But so so I'm curious. Uh, Bill, Bill mentioned that you've worked uh, or you, you've had. Uh, talks with some uh, pretty prominent brands in the world of golf about this technology and and yeah with with the development of something like this um you know it, what do you think the future could be do you imagine that it's going to continue as as something direct to consumer uh, fr- from your company or, or could a uh, could a larger uh, a, a larger corporation or brand sort of step in uh, with this uh you know and and, and uh, make you a handsome offer uh, for for this te- for this technology yeah, well, yeah, we we have uh, thanks for that. We have talked to uh, some some big names uh, in the industry, and uh, you know we've heard that uh, some of them have been working on similar technology, um, but uh, just haven't they just haven't been able to to make it happen. Um, so I mean, you know, we don't really know what the future holds, but we think we have a, a pretty cool product um, that will just help people enjoy enjoy getting better. I mean, you know, we all we all want to. You know, People that play golf want to want to score better. We but we we just need to enjoy the practice, and 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 we're hoping that this this technology will help people um, get there. Um, I mean, and and I, I heard a, I heard a college coach recently say that um, tell that his his players had to work on distance control at least sixty percent of their time, and and if they didn't, then you know they they were going to be losing strokes. And so we think that distance and control is one of those things that people just aren't really um, good at because. You, you don't know how far you're putting when you're putting out there without some sort of tool or aid, and and uh, so we know that that's uh, an area that that can can uh, certainly have some improvement in. Talking with Brian Heaton, the uh, creator of PuttLink, and you can go online and uh, read more about PuttLink and and go ahead and start getting your orders in there. It's not available yet, but uh, expected uh, expecting it this summer. Is that right, Brian? Yeah, right. So we are. We are shooting for a June time frame coming out, um, but uh, at our website, we have a, a sign-up list, an email list that you can sign up for, um, a pre-order deal going on right now. That's really good. So if you if you purchase uh, for pre-order, you're going to get the first wave of shipments uh, and get a good deal. Uh, so uh, go ahead and hit the website at putlink.com and uh, and check us out. Hey, now you've got to you've got to tell. The listeners, a couple of the stories you were telling me about the, first of all, uh, just, uh, I'd love your thoughts of being there at the PGA show. And I mean, that's a pretty, that, that is a huge show down in Orlando, but, uh, relate to the folks, the, the story you had about the, the, the one guy running, uh, running over to, uh, to, to get the info and bringing somebody with him. Yeah, so so there's 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 companies from all over the world uh, showcasing uh, their their products uh, at this show um, from from the from the smaller companies like us to the to the big boys and and um, yeah I think the first day we got there it, it, no one had really heard about us and so as we uh, people started walking by. Uh, all this buzz started be, uh, generating, and, and there's one company. Uh, they're from, uh, I think, Japan or something. And uh, one guy came by, and he, and his eyes got real wide, and and he couldn't believe what he was seeing. And so, the next thing I know, he's running through uh, through the aisles over to to the booth where they were, and he, he grabs his CEO of that of their company and, and pulls him back over there, and and they and they start talking about how um, they wanted to do this, but they couldn't they couldn't figure it out, and they have an app that sort of 
looks down at your putter and predicts how far the ball will roll, but but nothing that tells you for sure. So it was kind of cool to um, to get that kind of feedback. Oh, I, I bet. And uh, and 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 before we run out of time, uh, folks folks have got to wonder. Well, how do you get it in the ball? And I think that's that's a really cool story too. Keeping it in the family, you got got to got to give props to dad. Yeah, right. So yeah, my my dad has, has helped us very much with this. He's uh, he's kind of a jack of all trades and uh, can can pretty much make anything. Um, and he helped uh, as we got started trying to uh, cut these. You know, the the ball has to be cut open and the computer put inside. You know, so that's part of it. So he. I don't know how many thousands of golf balls we've cut in half, <laughs> and, or he has, and um, we can tell you exactly uh, which balls are good and which are not, and and if they're made correctly or they're, they're not. But I mean, he he's been hours and hours uh, uh, figuring out the technology. I mean, and, and it has to be uh, balanced and and weigh and 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 react just like a, a normal golf ball will. Uh, will so so that's that's part of that, that whole process. It took about four years. Yeah, obviously these aren't uh, for competition, but you want the ball that that uh, is the same, you know, weight, mm-hmm. balance, and everything else that you'd use all the time. What a great idea, and uh, I, I can't imagine how this isn't going to be uh, just wildly successful. And it's it's great to it's great to know somebody that comes up with an idea like this. And and uh, well, again, looking forward to hearing a lot more about this. And I've already talked to a couple of people. Uh, I, I don't know who's contacted you, but some of the folks that I've talked to can't wait to find out more about it and and uh, go ahead and, and get in line. So, again, puttlink.com, Brian Heaton. Uh, Brian, anything else you want folks to know? Uh, that's about it. Thank you, Bill, for the time and uh, letting me uh, uh, talk about the product. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, we'll, we'll check us out on the website at puttlink.com. Uh, you can uh, call us, uh, and we'll be glad to answer any questions you have. Sounds great, Brian. Continued success to you and, and Michael and, oh, and the you. whole family. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Take care. Take care. Uh, Brian Heaton joining us. Yeah. The only way that I used to, to, to be able to gauge how I was doing in putting was, was putt putt. You know, it's like that's, that this is much more scientific than, than that. So, uh, so I th- yeah, that's cool. But uh, yeah, he's, he's being again a little, uh, uh, a little reserved there. I mean, but, but he had tossed out. He had told me yeah, that Callaway and Titleist and Golf Digest yeah, and some other. So th- those are some of the names of of, of the uh, some of the companies that are interested. So you're going to hear more and and find out more. But it is one of those. It's like yeah, why hadn't somebody done that before? Well, it's uh, it, it's cool to have. All right, we'll get to our first break. We're wide open. We'll open the phone lines. Anything you want to talk about sports wise? Don't forget, Jake Crane's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. The phone line's open. Come on in and join us. Give us your thoughts on the ball game tonight. Um, I mean, it's the question is, can, can Auburn make some shots? I mean, Auburn has just uh, struggled to, to make shots, and everybody knows that. And as a result, it's tougher to get the ball inside to Janai Broom. Jalen Williams becomes a big, big factor 
for the Tigers, and he's got a he's got a snap out of a shooting funk. I think he's two for his last nineteen. Yeah, you wonder what Auburn will attempt uh, differently than than the, the last few meetings against Texas A and M. What adjustments Auburn can make, or if it's just a matter of Auburn needing to hit those outside looks because teams are now. I mean, you saw it against Tennessee. Teams are conceding. Uh, good outside looks to Auburn uh, because they are so concerned about packing the paint and slowing down Auburn's offense around the basket. And Auburn needs to figure out a way to turn that weakness into a strength. They either need to uh, either find ways to get their forwards going uh, when when the forwards aren't right around the basket to sort of put the defense uh, on, on their back foot, or they got to hit those outside shots that the defense is conceding. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, I, I, I'm just not crazy about having to take as many threes as Auburn as Auburn's been taking. I mean, Auburn shooting, Auburn is one of the worst shooting teams, three point shooting teams in the nation. Uh, I believe I heard, I believe I heard Doug say on the uh, on the uh, roundtable today that uh, um, that that there are only 11 teams shooting worse than Auburn from three. Auburn is 300 and 40 or something like that in the nation in three-point shooting. So that doesn't seem like, oh, well, just go ahead and shoot some more. And Auburn shot 27 threes against, attempted 27 threes. What were they, uh, uh, were they, were they three for 27? Seems like against uh, against Tennessee Brutal. shooting threes. So, I mean, that's that's why teams are going to go, yeah, sure, take them. I mean, Katie hit, hit one or two. Uh, he seems to be getting a little better. But, um, but you know, Wendell, uh, I think Wendell shot nine threes of the, of the ten shots he attempted uh, on, on Saturday. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, this, this is a – and it is a big ball game. As we were talking earlier, you know, um, A&M is trying to work its way in to the tournament. Even though they, they, even though they played very well in conference, um, just about everybody still has them on the bubble. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – which is the case for a lot of teams in the SEC. I mean, outside of Tennessee and Alabama, Missouri is in slightly better position than everyone else in the league. But but everyone is either uh, on the bubble and in the tournament or on the bubble and with work to do to get into the tournament. So you can either slip away if you're one of those teams like Auburn or uh, Arkansas, uh, Kentucky, you know, these teams that people view as tournament teams at the moment. That could change with a couple of bad games. And then if you're Florida or Mississippi State or Texas A&M, uh, you could put yourself firmly in the tournament with a win or two. But right now you are, uh, you're probably on the wrong side of that bubble. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, you're right. And and for and for Auburn, Auburn doesn't Auburn doesn't want to lose and start sliding down toward the bubble. No, that's unfamiliar territory for a team that was in the Associated Press poll for most of the uh, of the last 2 years uh, before finally slipping out uh, this past week. But no, Auburn uh, uh has has chances uh to to pick up some needle moving wins. The problem is that also means that they're facing some really good teams, A&M and of course the matchup still to come against Alabama and Tennessee. 334-321-1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. And let's get to it. And Yellowhammer is up first. Hey, Yellowhammer. Hey, afternoon. Um, jumping on your uh, discussion there about the lack of being able to shoot a three. Uh, so I'm thinking, uh, remember back in the old days when there was no such thing as a three, nobody shot from out there. So what if Auburn played that kind of game where they pack it in a little tighter and shoot from there? Well, I mean, Auburn, Auburn 
Auburn backing. You're talking about Auburn doing the same thing? No, Auburn uh, Auburn offensively. They got the ball. And they can't shoot threes. <laughs> so I'm just saying that instead of trying threes, you don't, don't shoot them out there. Work the ball in closer because in the old days, there was no such thing as a three-point shot. So everybody shot a lot closer. Nobody shot from out there much back then, did they? Well, no, but I mean, uh, that's what Auburn tries to do. But the other teams defensively are packing it in and making it tougher to, for you to get the ball inside. Yeah, it's sort of a strategic move by the other team's defense. And if Auburn wants yeah, to saying, here, to take the, 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 they give you the three I mean, is if, sort if, of what if, they're if, doing. If Auburn wants to give up on the three and shoot mid-range shots, you know, they're, I think there's... Yeah, go to the mid-range. I mean, they, well, they, 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 may, they may attempt that. I think that the defense may... That's be, where Jalen, yeah. would, would, you know, normally is very good. He I mean, struggled the last well, no, couple and, of games. And, so, and some folks would think the elbow and the free throw line would be a spot where if you can get the ball there against a zone that's really protecting the basket. You know that that's that's a spot where you can have some success at collapsing that zone. It's just a matter of you know get, getting the ball to that spot is easier said than done. But but no, I mean I think there are, there are ways other than simply shooting the open threes and missing them uh, that 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 this thing could play out for Auburn. It's just a matter of what are they going to do. Well, that's all I can think of. <laughs> but. Uh... You know, unless they can somehow practice, 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 and get really good at threes, I don't know what else they can do. You know what's crazy uh, is is that Auburn has some guys that were better three point shooters a couple of years ago. I mean, uh, Katie Johnson was a forty percent three point shooter at Georgia his and, freshman year, and it's not just an overreaction of being this past week. And Auburn is what twelfth in the conference in, in three thirteenth, thirteenth now, I believe, in, in, in yeah. three point percentage. So I mean, it's not. Something that just happened. They're thirteenth, and they're three hundred and something in the nation. They have the capability of getting hot. They've had a couple. I mean, what they hit nine, I think, against. Uh, they're due. Is that what we're Georgia. saying? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> I no. I'm a firm believer. In, <laughs> That's what it's two years due. They, they can they can get hot, but I I don't know if we're going to see a sustained breakthrough anytime soon. If Auburn can see some progress, I think that would be a step in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to just imagine that all of a sudden they're going to hit forty percent of their threes. Doesn't when they're like, when they're under thirty percent, doesn't feel like that's how this is going to play out. No, no. So uh, so it's it's liable to be a struggle tonight. It has been. We talked about it uh, the last time. I mean, Texas A and M. Texas A and M has had Auburn's number even more at Auburn though than they have in College Station. I think they've won six of seven at Auburn, uh, and they and they're like ten and four against Auburn since they've come into the conference. So that means Auburn's three and four against them at College Station. So they can even things up there, and, and that would be a big, big win for Auburn if they can get that win. I mean, really, what is what is Auburn's biggest win this year? What is, what is their what is their Arkansas probably um, maybe? I mean, Arkansas and they're a bubble team. Arkansas's on the bubble, yeah. I mean, I mean, Auburn didn't. I mean, Florida. Or Arkansas would be and both of those are bu- both those are bubble those are bubble teams. Team. Yeah. Well, everyone in the conference is a bubble team except Alabama and Tennessee. Well, that's true. Auburn, Auburn doesn't beat neither of those two teams. Um, I don't think Northwestern is. Northwestern more looked than, like a really good one. Then uh, they've they've you know dropped a couple of games since they looked like they were they were getting better. So my, I mean I don't know. Guess would be that the best team in the net rankings that Auburn has beaten this year is either Florida or Arkansas. Probably yeah, probably Arkansas. Yeah. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Love for you to join in. Give us your thoughts on the game tonight. Anything though that you want to talk about sports wise? It'd be. I mean, with with the talent Auburn has, in and the 
the veterans that Auburn brought back, it would be a real disappointment to see it slip out of. Oh, the, you're um, not kidding. To, to see this season go, to see this month go uh, in, in a direction where Auburn slips out of the tournament entirely. I mean, it, it, on it the other hand, happen. if they if they get a win tonight and 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 win Saturday, then uh, it'll be virtually impossible for them to not make it in. Oh, sure. And and then you're starting to talk about how if you can beat teams like Texas A&M and especially Alabama, you know, what is the ceiling for this team in the postseason, especially right. when they came so close to beating Tennessee. Yeah, so that's, that's why tonight is so important. Yeah. I mean, the perception, I think, tonight. It's a swing game. Oh, yeah. swing. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a swing game for the season. All right, so I, I one thing we haven't mentioned, saw the uh, story from, did you see the story from Tom Green about Auburn's finances? Athletically, I did not see for the year. Story. Yeah, Auburn, Auburn this past year, uh, bringing in a record amount of revenue, twenty-two point nine million dollar profit for Auburn athletics in twenty twenty-two. After after, um, well, I guess that's twenty. Yeah, that's twenty-one twenty-two. After the previous year, which included COVID, operating at about a ten million dollar loss. Now, is is the is the revenue just ticket sales. No, it's and ticket like sales that, and contributions. Fundraising. And Auburn had record contributions. That's why I was doesn't like, include the T V money from the conference. No, no, right? no. This is this is just This is this is ticket sales. Uh let's see. They they break it down. Um Auburn reported an operating revenue of 174 million. So yeah, I'm sure it would include it all. I'm thinking that includes the conference. Yeah, it, it does. The conference's media rights. But deal. the but it it points out that there was a 30 million dollar increase in ticket sales because of COVID, but still record ticket sales uh 34 million and uh um the contributions Went up from fifteen point nine million to thirty five point eight million. Now, what I was wondering now with NIL, aren't you are aren't you trying to tap those same resources for NIL that you are for the contributions? This is where well, that's a point the, you've been making for a while. Yeah, I mean the the you know your 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 supporters, your athletic boosters. The season ticket holders, things like that. There's a limited amount. You know, there's only so much you can give. Now you're going to have to decide, does it go to the athletic department or does it go to the collective? Well, and remember the story from last year where Bruce Pearl said, we, we don't need to prioritize facilities like we used to because it NIL... It needs to go to the players. Yeah, and NIL is, is more important than that as far as attracting talent to your university right now. That's right. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Now we may discuss a little of that with, uh, with Jake Crane of Crane & Company, who's coming up on the other side. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. On the drive, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes or so here on this Tuesday, about to be evening. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and let's go to the Kia of Auburn hotline. 
and welcome in our regular Tuesday guest. That, of course, Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Jake, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, Super Bowl week. Excited about the game Sunday. You know, let's let's start there. I mean, since you brought it up, we, that's uh, I'm also really intrigued by how uh, the KC Philly matchup could go. What what are you expecting uh, from the game on Sunday? Well, you know, I, I let off the show with it today. I, I always get on there and talk about, and and it's true. I believe this that you know the game is won and lost up front. I think the Eagles are better on the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, I always talk, uh, you know, I always talk about how complementary football is king, uh, and the Eagles are more balanced than Sunni Lee. So I, I know Patrick Mahomes is a once in a lifetime player. It's the supporting cast, though, and, and Jalen Hurts' development as a passer uh, has opened up their offense so much with what they have on the offensive line, being able to run the ball and utilizing him to play true eleven on eleven football. So I, I like the Eagles. Uh, I think 34-27 Philadelphia. Mahomes isn't going to go quietly into the night. And we all know that, you know, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are, are the closest thing to Dr. Seuss we've had in a long time. So it should be a hell of a game. But I just like Philly and their physicality up front. Jake, talk a little bit about the uh, the development of, of Jalen. I mean, there's still some people that say, well, you know, he doesn't have to throw the ball that far down the field. He's got uh, He's got great receivers anyway. But there aren't many people that thought he would be a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl uh, before he transferred to Oklahoma. Yeah, look, nobody really saw this coming. I, I mean, again, I always laugh when people say, "Oh, well, look at his look at who he has around right. him." Well, name one quarterback that ever won a Super Bowl outside of Trent Dilfer, who had the, one of the best, if not the best, NFL defense ever there in Baltimore. Uh, that didn't have a good supporting cast around them. Dilfer had Jamal Lewis on that team, Jake. I, know, I know. It yeah. wasn't like that. It wasn't like the cover was bare. Shannon but, Sharp look, Jaylen, was on that team. Here, yeah. Look, here's the here's the here's the whole crux of it all. If you are able to be as dominant as they are in the run game, and you have those type of weapons on the outside, as somebody that's had to design defenses to try and stop people. You can't hone in on one thing, but you almost have to. So you have to rob Peter to pay Paul. Are you going to do that in coverage and let A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard or any of those guys torch you down the field? Are you going to play with the light box and get absolutely run through the whole game? So it puts you defensively in a huge predicament. That's what balance does. The, uh, the the team that I'm trying to like in in recent years and so I mean, you got to go back 20 years or so that first Patriots championship team uh, with uh, that beat the Rams that Brady led team I mean they didn't really have any skill position players to write home about but your point is well taken Jake it's tough yeah I mean to, that's, so that's one that's one. The last one and it was and it was yeah and it was Tom Brady <laughs> and it was Tom, it was Tom Brady playing quarterback as well so it's it's yeah, a, yeah. I, I, I jumped a basketball one time, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and beat John Moran. There's, there's, mean, an, just, there's an know. asterisk for sure, but but with uh, with regards to the Kansas City offense, you know they've struggled to establish the run game all year. Feels like the Clyde Edwards-Alaire experiment hasn't really worked. They're looking in other directions uh, with with running backs. And, uh, and and trying to, to get the ground game going uh, elsewhere. But they, they still have Pat Mahomes. What are you expecting uh, when Kansas City has the ball? What kind of success do you think they'll be able to have offensively against the Eagles? Well, look, in, in my opinion, I, I think Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are the best ever at the modified run game. And, and what do I mean by that? Kansas City is used to playing with an offensive line 
that isn't fantastic. And again, everybody talks about the Bengals, and, and their offensive line's worse than any the Chiefs have had. But name an elite running back that has played for the Chiefs while Patrick Mahomes has been there. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Quick answer, there isn't one. What makes, what makes Eric and Andy so incredible is their ability when the run game isn't working or maybe the pass protection isn't good. They design plays in the short passing game, in the quick game, formationally by motion that can kind of take place of that run game. Patrick Mahomes is able to spit the ball out, and they're able to stay on schedule despite not having a run game. And that kind of spreads defenses out as well. It's almost like having the perfect eject button, but it also works very well in the red zone when the field shrinks, when you have to be creative closer to the line of scrimmage. That's why I think you see the Chiefs have so much success on offense in the red zone and why they've been able to sustain this momentum offensively is because when the run game's not there, they have another way to affect you close to the line of scrimmage. That is kind of a a underwritten or hidden beauty in what the Chiefs have. And again, look, Patrick Mahomes, like I said, is a generational once-in-a-lifetime player. But the supporting cast around him, especially a wide receiver right now, I mean, they're a triage tent when you look at how beat up they are. So I just think they're, they'll score. But that Eagles defense isn't no walk in the park either, fellas. Well, I'm hoping it's something like a 34-27 game. I mean, that's that's. I'm hoping it's something that is, you know, keeping me uh, keeping me wanting to watch the game all the way to the end. Yeah, no, look, I mean, everybody roots for a good game, uh, especially after the uh, beating of a lifetime that happened in the College Football National Championship. But we're actually going to live stream the game, so check us out on YouTube at Crane & Company, C-R-A-I-N-N Company, uh, and come kick it with us. Sounds good. Hey, speaking of football, let's uh, get your thoughts on uh, Nick Saban finally uh, getting his coordinators, not the guys that uh, were, the, were the first names that were mentioned by any means, but your thoughts on, on Tom Reese and Kevin Steele as the, the coordinators for Nick. Look, there's a few things I'm not going to do. I'm not going to walk into Guy Fieri's restaurant and go up to Guy Fieri and question his ingredients. I'm not going to question Nick Saban's hires when it comes down to coordinators. He's the greatest ever all time at it. One of the reasons they're able to have success without having continuity as a coordinator sponsor. It seems like it's a revolving door of coaches moving on and moving up. Is that when you become the offensive coordinator at Alabama, that offense is still wrapped around the parameters of what Saban wants. I don't care if you're Bill O'Brien or Tommy Reese. An example of that, and I'm not saying that they're, he, Nick's calling the plays. He's not. But an example of that is when you become the offensive coordinator at Alabama, you have to change your terminology to marry up what the defense calls things so you're, a, so you're able to communicate better and they're able to break stuff down in film. Uh, 99.9% of places do not do that. That is something that is very special to Alabama. But Bill O'Brien, from a play-calling standpoint, got away from the run too much, guys. Look, Alabama built their name up, and George is doing it right now, on being able to line up, run the ball, play action pass, stop the run on defense, and play good special teams. They'd recruit better players than you that played more discipline than you. Now the game has evolved. We're seeing up-tempo offenses, and guys throw it around. You still have to have that element, but the game is still won and lost in the run game. And even if the run game's not hitting, it's the threat of being able to go back to the run that allows you to hit bigger plays down the field. I think that cost Bama with Bill O'Brien from a play-calling standpoint, not identity standpoint. And then, uh, look, Kevin Steele, 
I, I mean, I we know it. If you're an Auburn fan listening to this, you know how good of a coordinator he is, and I think he's a perfect fit for what Saban wants to do because he knows the job. He's done it before. It's um, yeah, it's, more than once. Well, no, it's the, the the point you were making about the offense, Jake. It's it's delicate because and, and it relates back to what we were just saying about the Super Bowl because when you have a talent like Patrick Mahomes or Bryce Young playing quarterback, I can yeah. understand how an offensive coordinator may overthink things and think, well, every every time we run the ball. It's a play where we decided not to let this stellar talent at quarterback throw the ball. But if you throw the ball all the time, the defense makes that adjustment and you can make an extraordinary player seem a little bit yeah. more ordinary. And so it was uh I mean it's a it's a tougher it's a you know, it's a tough job that Bill O'Brien had there. I mean, granted it's a problem that I think a lot of football coaches would like to have with uh, you know, how how do you how do you move the football with a quarterback like Bryce Young? Yeah. But yeah, I want to see how Tommy Reese does. Well what what's your uh what's your sense of what kind of offense uh, he's going to bring with him uh, to Alabama? You mentioned that, that he might run the ball a little bit more than uh, than Bill O'Brien wanted to. Yeah, and, and we got to make sure too when when a lot of your offense offense is predicated off RPOs, or you do a lot of RPOs because you have a quarterback like Bryce Young that can do it. They put a lot of responsibility on Bryce, so it's not like a lot of times Bill O'Brien was calling a true pass play. Bryce kept it a lot and wanted the ball in his hands. That's one part of the RPO. The quarterback can do whatever he wants with it. He can give it. He can keep it. He can spit it out. So we, we have to remember that's a part of it as well. Uh, but, uh, look, uh, again, I think you're going to see it's going to be a lot more old-school Alabama. Power, counter, inside zone, play action, boot, hit the tight end a lot. That kind of what got Alabama where they were, similar to what, we, what we're seeing from Georgia right now, uh, that pro-style type offense. I think that's what you're going to see from Tommy. Sticking with uh, sticking with football, love to get uh, your thoughts on. Uh, I mean, it was it was a pretty quiet signing day uh, all around the country. Auburn Auburn got the confirmation of Jeremiah Cobb, but since then it has been uh, it's been some good news for Hugh Freeze and company, adding four stars, including the quarterback that they wanted, that a lot of people thought was headed to Clemson and Walker White. Yeah, we actually have Hugh Freeze coming on the show tomorrow. So cool. uh, live at 7.30 in the morning. Yeah, excited. We're going to talk with him about that. Look, I don't want to come on here and say I told you so, guys. You know, I don't want to come on here and say... You did tell us so. Hugh Freeze to get the job. <laughs> but but I feel like I was... I, and I caught so much hell for that. But no, I mean, look. Like I, like I said last week, I think. People in Auburn are like, wow, he's doing a great job. And guess what? He is. But that should be the standard. This should be the norm. Getting guys that, that a place like Auburn deserves to get should be the norm. And now you have a coaching staff that understands that. They're not just happy with where they're at right now. They probably don't think it's good enough. They're pushing further, and that's what you need. Like, like, I, like I will continue to say, the difference with one of the biggest differences, and there's a lot, between Hugh Freeze and Brian Harson is one coach wants to go out there and recruit. The other one wants to lift weights and talk about accountability. One of them is the head coach at Auburn now. The other one is not. You know, I, I was asking, uh, we talked to Brian Matthews uh, yesterday about some of the things going on on the recruiting trail for Auburn, and, and, and I'd like your thoughts on this, Jake. You know, the change from Brian Harson to Hugh Freeze isn't the only difference uh, with Auburn's recruiting pitch now versus 
a year ago. The new facility has opened. Uh, it seems like Auburn has got its NIL ducks in a row, and there's a little bit more solidarity on that front than there was before. What sense do you get that some of the other factors are really playing uh, to, uh, to, to, to Hugh Freeze's strengths? Not to take credit away from what Hugh Freeze has done, but, but with some of the other stuff going on at Auburn and how that's also helping uh, the recruiting efforts of late. Well, look, I, I think positive momentum breeds positive momentum, right? I, I mean, when something's going good uh, and, and you're feeling good about things, it seems like everything kind of comes together, right? When, when you have a captain that knows how to steer the ship, the tides don't seem as rough and the water doesn't seem as rough. So, yeah, I mean, obviously having that palace uh, helps a lot because it's an arms race now. We, we all get that. The NIL is, is uh, structure is a huge deal, especially now dealing with collectives and things like that. So, yeah, but uh, if you don't have somebody that's steering the ship the right way, those other things just fall off to the side. So I think it's kind of complimentary for Hugh Freeze and then all around being able to garner that momentum and, and use the resources at a place like Auburn to be able to push that momentum even further. Speaking of resources, we were just talking a little while ago, uh, uh, AL.com reporting that Auburn with record profits this year, the uh, largest revenue ever and the largest yeah. profits, nearly $23 million. But I, I, I said part of that was the largest contributions ever. Um, how... How long can NIL and athletic contributions, they can't both continue to grow because there are a limited number of resources that you're tapping for that. Look, this is why you got to win, man. I mean, you got to get that surplus in there, right? Look at what LSU made last year with Brian Kelly. You know, you see what momentum does, right? Look, uh, a lot of the audience won't get this this reference, but to quote a, a musical artist named Gucci, man, Auburn has long money. All right, they got real long money. And Auburn wants to win bad, and they're willing to spend that money to win. All we've done is watch Alabama and Georgia have success. So what do you have to do? Sometimes you gotta, you got to roll that checkbook out and say, look, we gotta, I know one quick way to be able to try and turn this thing around or give Auburn the best chance. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm shocked AL.com reported something positive about Auburn. I'm surprised, you know, right after that they didn't say that, you know, but sources say that <laughs> that money was stolen from blind kids. Like I don't know. Like it's, I'm shocked. AL.com said something. Well, about. they asked and they got the numbers, and I guess they I guess they felt like they had to write them. I'm but, shocked. Yeah. They must have had to hit their quota of nice things to say about Auburn for the year. Get that get that out of the way in February. Before we run out of time, got to get your thoughts on uh, a a very very important basketball game tonight in College Station. Uh, man, we can't shoot at all. I feel like I come on here and say this every week. <laughs> And the guys play hard, man. I think Coach Pearl's doing a really good job, obviously. You look at Auburn's recruiting. I think this is the least talented team he's had in a while. You have a bunch of role players. But God, we cannot shoot. It's unbelievable. No, Nobody can shoot. That's it. That game against Tennessee, and our defense played so good. Yeah. We should have won the game. Can somebody just – can just a couple guys start shoot, shooting good? Look, Allen Flanagan's playing good. Can we not waste this? Because I'm just waiting for him to start panicking again and dribbling the ball off his foot out of bounds every possession. It's it's like, even it's even more vexing, Jake, because there are multiple players who either played for Auburn 
earlier in their college careers or almost came to Auburn and circumstances fell yeah. through that are shooting the ball well around college basketball. And I'm not saying Auburn would be better off with one or any of the of the list, but Jamal Johnson is playing well at Chattanooga. Devin Cambridge is, De- is really shooting yeah. the three. Devin Cambridge shooting yeah, well at Arizona. Devin Cambridge is, yeah, Devin Ju- Cambridge is now the greatest shooter of all time. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Powell is shooting the ball well at Washington State. Desi Sills is coming off the bench for Kevin. Would Auburn State. like to have Trey Alexander? Trey Alexander at, at, at Creighton uh, is unbelievable. He's having a great season. I, I mean, look at, at, first at this year. point. At, at this point, I'd, I'd take Alexander Hamilton to start shooting <laughs> some threes out there. Look, let's just be honest. Sometimes you just can't shoot. Okay, Auburn, Auburn can't shoot. I don't think there's an NBA. But Jani Broom will get a chance. Uh, I'm not saying guys won't be picked up and given a chance, but I don't think there's an NBA player on that roster right now. I just I don't. But, I mean, there's some coming. I mean, that, that point guard we just got to witch. Pettiford or whatever his name is. Yep. Uh, him and LeBaron Le Phylon from Baker. I mean, that's a bucket getter. Uh, no, we just we can't shoot, man. And in basketball, I mean, that, that sucks. Yeah, that, that's tough. All right, Jake, you, you mentioned you've got uh, uh, Hugh Freeze coming on tomorrow. So, I mean, yeah. things are really rolling with Crane and company. Let everybody know about it. Yeah, man. Y'all, if you haven't heard about us or haven't hung out with us in the morning, uh, come over and check it out. We're on the Daily Wire, uh, Daily Wire Plus. We're on YouTube uh, live, six thirty to eight central. Uh, it's Crane, C R A I N, and company. Uh, yeah, we got Hugh Freeze on tomorrow. We're talking everything college football, NFL, college basketball. We take your questions the whole show, and now we have live Collins as well. So yeah, come kick it with us. It's a good time. Sounds great, Jake. Thanks. Uh, really appreciate it. Have a great rest of the week. Hey, y'all too, man. Always good talking to y'all. All right, Jake Crane joining us as he does Tuesday afternoons here in the uh, second hour of the show. We need to get to that final break of the day. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Final couple of minutes of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan, our thanks to... uh, Jake Crane for joining us. Entertaining as always. Yeah, but we had our our, our, our guy inventor Brian at Brian Heaton. Brian right? Heaton at the beginning of the hour and then Barrett Salee in the first hour of the show. So check that out on the podcast if you missed any of it live as we uh yeah, I thought there was some really interesting stuff from our guest today. All right, so uh what do you what do you think tonight? I I am going to boldly uh pick Auburn to win. There you go, Bill. I I don't th- I, I think it will be a tight tight ball game. Going to be a tough one, either way. I think. Yeah, it's it's just I think it's tough right now to pick Auburn with any confidence. Sure. on the road against the best teams in the SEC, and I would say A and M. I don't know are how they one of the best teams I, are in, they the in the league. They're half? they're in the middle. Are they in the top half of the league? Uh, maybe uh, you know. I, maybe I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking A and M has a lot more to lose tonight than Auburn does because A and M. I'm thinking Auburn realizes if they lose here, you're then, right though. Then, then that that could be more than one a, hole to, to plug. But it's a it's a home game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I that's, know. That's where for for A and M. You know, you can't be losing your conference home games and feeling great about your position later on. I'm going to take A and M close, but I do see how Auburn could win. Yeah, well, we we will uh, look back at it tomorrow. That uh, tomorrow is your last day 
of the I, week I, here, I will, right? But I'll, but I'll be in the house tomorrow. We're going to talk with Jason. That's right. Jason Caldwell should be with us at the uh, outset of the show. So, yeah, we'll we'll look back at tonight and catch you up on anything else going on in the world.